last several weeks, the lectionary has been taking us through the family of Abraham. We begin to see how God is working in this family in order to create the nation that he's going to build up. And in this nation, there's going to be the seed that points us toward Christ. Two weeks ago, we considered Abraham and his willingness to give up Isaac to sacrifice. We saw how that corresponds, that points us forward to Christ. How Isaac is a type of Christ. And that Christ is going to win our salvation by fulfilling what Isaac pointed toward. Following week, last week, we learned we learn about Rebekah. We see Isaac and Rebekah meeting each other for the first time. We learn that Rebekah comforts Isaac after the death of his mother Sarah. And this week, the Old Testament lectionary reading, it takes us to Jacob and Esau. Jacob, we learn in the scriptures, is Rebekah's favorite. Esau is Isaac's favorite. And as you might imagine, this correlates well to the dissension, to the constant strife that we find in Jacob and Esau. From the very moment they were born, we see that Jacob is constantly trying to get what is rightfully Esau's. They're twins. Esau is born first, and the scriptures tell us that Jacob reaches out and grabs Esau's heel. This is a wonderful picture of the relationship that they would share over the course of their younger years at the very least. You see, Esau had a birthright. Esau had a birthright because he was the firstborn. And in this culture, to be the firstborn is everything. Because as soon as dad dies, that means you get it all. Hopefully you're a wise steward of it. Hopefully you build on it. But the oldest son gets it. And then he takes care of his mother. Not even she gets it. He gets it. He manages it. He's the head of household from that point forward. Well, Jacob always wants what Esau has. And so in today's lesson... We have Esau who's been out hunting and we find out in scripture that one of the reasons Isaac loves Esau so much is because he is, he's a man's man. He's the kind of guy that goes out, kills game, brings it back to dad. Jacob's perhaps not like that. And so Esau is out in the field, sees Jacob, says, I'm famished, I need something to eat. Can I have some of that stew? What's Jacob's response? Sure. Give me your birthright. Now, I don't know about you, this doesn't exactly endear me to Jacob. I don't look at Jacob at this point and think, hey, he's a pretty good guy. I think he's taking advantage of his brother for personal gain. So I don't have a very high view of Jacob at all at this point. Matter of fact, I don't really like him at all. But even still, we recognize in Esau there's something not right about the trade he's willing to make here. You know, he says he's getting ready to starve. Well, he's not so close to starvation that he's unconscious. He's hungry. I believe that. But so hungry to give up his father's entire inheritance? I don't know about that. The scriptures certainly don't seem to indicate that. For we're told in very strong language he despised his birthright. We're not really that different 
than we, we're not as different from Esau as we'd like to think we are. You see, Esau sold his spiritual birthright. He sold, or he, he sold his actual birthright, his physical birthright. Esau gave up everything that his father was going to give to him for a pottage of stew and a piece of bread. Well, in a lot of ways, we're willing to give up everything our Heavenly Father has for us for a pottage of spiritual stew and bread. We're just as likely to give up the birthright that our Father has for us as Esau was. We're just as likely to let sin distort our view of who we are and thereby reclaim us and take us away from the birthright that God would give to us, that birthright being holiness. And I've been thinking a lot about sin lately. I've been thinking about why it is so easy to give into. And it's not always even sin. It's just this notion, sometimes it's just this notion that we are masters of our own destiny. That everything we have actually belongs to us. It's ours. Sin certainly plays into that. But this even includes things that aren't by nature sinful, but become sinful because we think we own them. And so they sort of become idols to us. And then they become sins. And I think the reason it's so easy to fall back into a life of sin, even though God has claimed us, and we learned last week that God sees us as a spotless bride. That's what the church is to God. When he looks at you, he sees Christ. When he sees Christ, he sees you through what Christ has done for you. And so you are a spotless bride to God. But when we become tempted, when we begin to have things that well up in us, that make us want to take ownership of our own destinies and say, no, I want this thing, or I, want, I, I think I'm owed this, or I think I deserve this, we begin to give in to a false image of who we actually are. You see, that image, that image is one of selfishness. That image is one that says, principally, I am a person who wants what I want. But that's not the Christian way. The Christian way, the Christian answer to that is that we are first and foremost cross people. Sin is a false choice for the Christian because it is exactly the opposite of where God would take us. Sin calls us to act on that selfishness and pride. But the cross calls on us to die. You know, I've had a rough week this week, and I'm not going to lie to you. It's been a tough week, spiritually for me. By about Wednesday or Thursday, I was just, oh. I, I was having a tough time getting through it. You know, old memories that I have of things I've done in the past, one of them just came and wham, laid me right out. For about two days, I just, I was struggling. And it was probably around Friday where I said, God, I, I've got to have some help here. Give me some insight. Give me something to help me get through this because I can't process this. I can't get through this. I don't know why. I can't get this out of my head. 
Well, God gave me something. And what he gave me was Luke 9.23. And I'm reading from the Common English Bible. It says, Jesus said to everyone, all who want to come after me must say no to themselves. Take up their cross daily, daily, and follow me. The problem with sin is it tempts us to say yes to ourselves. God would have us say no to ourselves. The Christian way is to take those things that we struggle with to say no to them, give them to God, allow him to work those things out in whatever way he's going to work them out, and then to follow him. I want to show you something real quick. This is my cross. It's not a very big cross, just a small cross made of wood. This cross, for me, is the most important cross in the world, though, because it's mine. And I picked up on something not too long ago. It's helped me quite a bit. Maybe this will help you. I, I don't know. But here's what I do every single day with the sins that I struggle with. I take the sin, or I take the temptation, or I take even the thing that's not a sin, but I want to hold on to that I don't need to be holding on to, my idol, and I write it by name across that crossbar. I say, God, this is what I'm struggling with. I've got this sin. I've got this struggle, this temptation. I guarantee you this week I was writing that thing (laughs) across an awful lot this week. That's my cross. I take it up every day. Every single day I take this cross up. Every single name I write those things across the crossbar. That's my cross. I know that you all have your own crosses. I know that you all have those things that you struggle with. Those frustrations you can't seem to overcome. And here's the thing that I've learned. You really can't. You can't overcome it. Listen, if you're feeling something, you're not going to stop feeling it just because you tell yourself, I shouldn't be feeling this. If you're struggling with a sin, you're not going to overcome the sin just because you're telling yourself, I shouldn't be struggling with this sin. So much preaching I've heard focuses on, don't do that. Well, great. Okay, I won't do that. Great advice. Thank you for the help. As if we're willing ourselves not to sin anymore. It doesn't work for me. It doesn't work for me. What works for me is this. I can't overcome sin, but I can deny myself sin. I can't will myself to perfection, but I can deny myself the things that will keep me from growing in holiness, growing in relationship to God. I can deny myself, but I can't fix myself. And so I take those things I can't fix and I put them on the cross. And you know, it's a wonderful comfort It's a comfort because it reminds me that the only thing, that the thing I've given up 
has a love for godly mission at its end. You know, when you give up sin, when you surrender sin, when you surrender temptation, when you surrender your all, your everything to God, you're not just doing it for you. It's so easy in our culture to individualize our faith, but we're not here only for me or you. We're here for us. I guarantee you, there is not a sin that you are struggling with right now, there's not a temptation you have, that, there's, that somebody in this congregation at some point in their life hasn't been through. There are no new sins. There are no new struggles. But they can be new to you. They can be struggles that you haven't figured out how to work out yet. Generally, because you haven't figured out how to surrender yet. But I bet you there's someone in this congregation, if you've got a sin on your mind right now, if you have something you have not given to God right now, there is probably somebody in this congregation who has experienced the exact same thing, has worked through it, and can help guide you through it. That is one of the biggest reasons that we have to surrender ourselves. Because when we surrender, we're not only saving ourselves. A lot of times, we're learning to do the things that are going to save others. That are going to lead others to a depth in their relationship with God that they don't currently have. You know, it's hard to see this sometimes. I I realize this. This sounds like a downer sermon, maybe. But it's not. It's not when you understand the depth, when you understand what it is that you're exchanging. Our birthright is one in which we get freedom in the cross. Freedom in the cross. The stew is the lie that says, you're a sinner, just do it anyway. That is the stew. The birthright is the thing that says, You're not a sinner. God doesn't see you as a sinner. Don't give in to that. It's a load of garbage. Deny yourself. Deny that lie that Satan has planted into your head and instead reorient yourself to the way that God says you actually are. That's what God wants of you. You know, freedom... And the Christian life looks so different than freedom to the rest of the world. Freedom to the rest of the world says do whatever you want. Freedom in the Christian life says deny yourself. And that's true freedom. Deny yourself the sin and you won't be in bondage to the sin. How many of you have ever seen the movie Braveheart? Can I see hands? Okay, quite a few of you. Well, <laughs> the thing I love about that movie is the ending. William Wallace is laid out on the rack. He's nearly dead. Nearly dead. What's the last thing he yells? Do any of you remember? Freedom! Freedom! I love that line. Because what it implies is that even though William Wallace was killed by the British, he died a free man. They killed his body, but they couldn't kill his freedom. 
because his freedom was a decision to deny himself, to deny tyranny. He denied the tyranny of the British. And as a result of that, he was always a free person. When you deny yourself sin, sin is your tyranny. When you're going to the cross, that's when you get to yell, freedom. That is your freedom. That is our joy. That is our hope. You know, our hope isn't that we're forever going to be writing things on a cross or, or denying ourselves. That's not our hope. That's not the end of the story, as Paul Harvey used to say. The end of the story is this. That just as Christ died and was resurrected, when you go and submit yourself to a daily death on the cross, God resurrects you. Raises up a new person. Creates a life in you that you can't create in yourself. When you deny yourself When you go to the cross with Christ every single day, God gives you a resurrection. And he works in you a new person, a new creation, as it's referred to in the scriptures. But even that is only part of our hope. Even that is only part of our joy. Because there's going to come a day when we no longer have to deny ourselves when we no longer have to take up our cross. Jesus isn't taking up his cross anymore. You and I are not going to take up our cross anymore someday. There's going to come a time when you and I receive a bodily resurrection, one in which the warring between who God says we are who we are as a result of what he does in us and through us, is no longer at war with the person in us that says, I want my sin. There's going to come a time where we know that I don't have to worry about it anymore. Our natures are going to be transformed. The world that we live in is going to be a spiritual world, one in which it's no longer turned against God. It no longer groans an anticipation for fullness, but fullness is realized. That's what God promises to us. You're not always going to have to go to the cross. You're always going to have scars. You're always going to have the scars that were given to you as a result of the journey that you have made in this world. I don't know about you, but that gives me some comfort. I like that. I like to know that the things I've had to give up on this earth have a purpose. And I like to know that I'm going to have spiritual memory of the hurts that I had to go through, the things I had to give up that I didn't want to give up, but gave up anyway for the purpose of allowing God to resurrect me. You'll always have the scars. Jesus still has the scars of his death. We're going to have the scars of our daily death. But we're also going to have the joy of our daily resurrection. 
And that resurrection is going to re be realized in eternity with finality for good. That's our hope. So brothers and sisters, I want to encourage you today. Our ultimate birthright is redemption through resurrection. Don't sell that. Don't sell that. Don't sell yourself to a pottage of lies. The pottage that Satan would give you about who your identity is, about what you are. That's not who you are. You are who God says you are. You are redeemed. Live into it. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you are a God of resurrection. We thank you that you promised not to leave us on the cross, but that as we submit ourselves daily to the cross, you will raise us. And we thank you that there will come a time where we no longer have crosses to bear, that the scars that we bear will be made right, be made whole. They hurt sometimes, Lord. They hurt so bad. But we know that you have promised that the hurts that we're willing to submit ourselves to today they will daily be rewarded and they will be eternally rewarded. So Father, help us to live in to our identity. Help us to live in to who we are and teach us not to sell our birthright. Amen.